Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Let me ask you a question. Are you good enough? Are you good enough? Now listen, listen, hold on though. You might want to think that through. Here's why. Because we are in a culture, a society, that says man is basically good. Man is basically... They do some awful stuff at times, but overall... But but here's my question. Are you good enough? You might want to think about this because we're not talking about our time on earth. We're actually talking about eternity. You might also want, because you never know when someone is going to do sort of a man-on-the-street interview and ask you that question. Could you imagine, there you are at the grocery store, and someone comes up to you and says, hey, are you good enough? And you go, good enough for what? Good enough for what? I'm not sure what you're asking me. Well, good enough for entering into God's kingdom. Let me say it a little bit different. Are you good enough to go to heaven just the way you are? Are you good enough? Are you good enough? I want you to listen to me for just a moment. Without question, God loves you deeply and wants to reveal a personal custom plan that he has just for you. He wants to flood your life with peace and joy and purpose. Ultimately, listen, God wants to spend eternity with you in a place that exceeds your wildest dreams. It's a place called heaven. I was thinking about heaven, and I was thinking about, are you good enough? And I was thinking about all of this throughout the week, and it led me to a extensive survey in which I read, and they went out and they questioned young people, um, various ages and occupations. And one of the key questions that really got my attention is they went to a young person, I see Joseph out here, and they went to someone and they said, what are you looking for in life? What are you looking for in life? And it caught my attention because the people were surprised by the answers. Instead of them going, well, I want fame and fortune, I want to be successful, I want to have a lot of money, what they found was the top three things people were looking for in life were love, joy, and peace. I found that very interesting. You go, well, Ben, what does that have to do with our text today? Well, I want to share this with you because I believe it shows us the heart of the young man that Jesus is going to interact today with. It shows his heart. And he comes to Jesus and he asks what he could do to get to heaven. And I think prior to all of us in this room who have given our lives to Jesus, can I get an amen? We asked the same question before. What do I have to do? And so we can relate a lot with this guy. And so he comes to Jesus. What do I need to do to get to heaven? 
Now, think about this. He was already doing what they taught him as a child. He was already doing these things. We're going to see that in our text. But what? Something was going on in his heart. You go, what do you mean? Well, his soul kept nagging him that what he was doing wasn't good enough. Wasn't good enough. Have you ever been there? Have you ever weighed the fact between, am I doing and what am I doing? Is is it good enough? I think about this question because when I was about 15 years old, I was first introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I grew up Catholic, so I knew about God, but I never knew God. And I remember I was in beginning choir. Don't judge me. I really was. Okay, that was before my voice changed. So I'm in beginning choir, and I remember it was first period, and I go into beginning choir, and I, la, 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 la. I'm singing in my heart out, right? I'm trying to learn, and, and these two girls, these two girls started telling me about Jesus. I gotta be honest with you, I'm a, I'm a freshman in high school. I'm not so much interested in Jesus as I was in the girls. Just telling you the truth. But they're talking to me. Awkward old me. Okay? And I remember they were serious and they began telling me what it took to get to heaven. And of course I'd say, well, you're going to have to tell me more. And they did. And these two girls told me that I needed to be born again, that I needed to, to give my life to Jesus. They gave me the gospel. i got to be honest with you, I probably didn't hear the gospel. I did hear heaven and I did hear hell. Are you guys tracking with me? So there I was, I'm 15 years old, and they're telling me about this. And I'll never forget, there was an intense conversation. It was right after class, and they were telling me that basically if I didn't give my life to Jesus, there was a place called hell, and I was going to go to hell. And I remember walking out of that. I'll never forget, the, the conversation was over, they left. I'm walking out of my first period classroom, don't want to be late for second period. And I remember this prayer. I said, Lord, because I knew about God. I said, Lord, if I'm good, I'll go to heaven. And if I'm bad, I guess I'll go to hell. I'll let you decide. What an idiotic prayer. But it was the sincerity of my heart. I felt at that point that I was good enough that if I looked at my little 15 years on life, that God would have to go, oh, no, 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 your good definitely outweighed your bad. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Did you have a similar experience? That's exactly what happened to me. Your pastor. Now, here's what I praise God for. He didn't answer that prayer. Could you imagine if God's going, hey, angels, look, Ben prayed a prayer. (laughs) Let's answer that. No, he didn't. He kept telling me, and he kept pursuing me with his love. And if you're here today, and you don't know Jesus, now you may know about Jesus, but you don't know him. You know a lot about him, but you're going, man, I'm missing something. He's still pursuing you today with his love. He's still pursuing you. Now listen to me. I know a lot of people have walked an aisle, they've prayed a prayer, And they've turned around and somebody said, you're saved, you're saved, amen, you're saved, go home, you're saved. But nothing really changed in their heart. 
And they may have, and I've heard this before, they may have prayed a prayer to get someone off their back, to get their wives off their back. Listen, I'm just going to pray this, I'm going to do this, and then you can just leave me alone. But nothing has really changed. And they begin to drift. They begin to drift. You realize that at 15, I thought I was good enough. The religion that I was brought up was was good enough. But I also knew I had did some bad things in my life. Oh, I didn't murder anybody. I wasn't stealing millions of dollars and bezeling for my company, but, you know, I probably told a few lies. I'm sure I lusted in those days, and I'm sure there was a lot of things that weren't pleasing to the Lord, but I thought I was good enough. So I can relate and understand to this young man that we're going to meet today. See, here's what we need to write down. If you're taking note, we need to jot this down. You go, what's that? There is a big difference, you ready, between loving God and being good. There's a big difference between loving God and being good. And only one is going to get us to heaven. Only one. Now, before we jump in, I need to bring you up to speed. Let me remind you where we left off last week. If you're new to Calvary, we know we go verse by verse by verse, but some of you may have not been here last week. So let me kind of cover what we talked about. In the first 15 verses of chapter 19, we talked about the hardness of hearts. Do you remember that? We looked at three different stories in which we could extract an element of a hard heart. You go, what do you mean? For example, the very first part, we talked about healing. We talked about healing and how we need to be healed spiritually first. How so? Well, remember that Jesus came healing, but Mark tells us that he also taught them. And I think that's important. Why? Because Jesus just didn't heal and reach the heart because that's not good enough. They would have been healed for a moment and still die and go to hell. And so he says, no, 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 let's, let's get you saved first. Let's get you to believe in me first. And then we can come with that physical healing. We looked all about that. But let me just say this. I have a side note here, and here's what I want to say. When it comes to healing, maybe you're here today and you go, Ben, I need healing. Well, don't harden your heart against it. Receive it. Well, pastor, I've been praying for 20 years and that's not. Maybe today's your day. Keep on asking. Maybe today you go, I want, I need to be, Lord, I receive it. Here's why. If we're honest, we as humans have a very hard time receiving anything. Totally receiving it. Because we often base, come on somebody, we often base it upon our past and do we deserve it. And so we don't get it. We don't get it. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? For example, say you drive up to Starbucks, okay? Drive up to Starbucks and there you are. And you order it and say, I'm going to order sunshine latte or whatever it is. And then you drive up and they say, oh, guess what? You're the 15th car. They've been paying it forward. Yours is free unless you want to pay for the people behind you. What do you say? I'll take the coffee. Why you laugh? No, here's what we do. If you're 15 cars, guess what? The guilt of not being able to receive anything, you say, well, I'll pay for theirs. I'll, unless theirs is like 84 bucks, and you're like, no, I'm not going to pay for theirs. I mean, what do they, they have in there? Because we have a hard time receiving. Now, if you receive it, then you're the one who got the blessing. 
if you don't receive it, then you're just kind of, you're just, you, you pay basically the same. Does that make sense? So the point is, is that we have a hard time receiving. If you need healing today, by all means, ask the Lord and don't harden your heart for your healing. Listen, when it comes to healing, we know that God can, but just oftentimes we don't think he'll do it for us. We just don't think. Why would he? I'm not his best student. The beautiful thing is the way Jesus looks at you, we're all his best student. Every one of us. And so he doesn't go, oh, no, oh, yeah, mm, oh, ouch. Um, oh, there's Paul. Forget Paul. He's not even on the lid. No, 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 no. He's not even on. Oh, oh, there's Craig. No, he doesn't do that. He goes, I love you. And based upon my love, there's healing. Can I get an amen? amen. The second thing we talked about was marriage and divorce. Marriage and divorce. Do you guys remember that? We talked about how we have, as a society, even as a church, um, moved away from the Word of God. And man is actually trying to rewrite the Bible. And it boils down to having a hard heart. Remember, Jesus said, and he told us, it was not God's intent for divorce or anything from the very beginning. And we talked all about divorce, but we also came back and saw how God showed unbelievable grace and mercy towards us. If you're interested in that study, you can go back to our podcast. But for the sake of time, we need to move on. We talked about the third story we talked about is coming to the Lord with childlike faith. Do you remember that? Some children were coming to the Lord, Jesus, and the disciples were like, don't, stop, the, the, the master's busy. And he's like, hey, stop that. Let the little children come to me. Why is that? Because he wants us to have childlike faith. Now, I didn't say childish faith but childlike faith. Don't harden your heart. Listen to me. Life is rough, but have that childlike faith and come to the Lord. You see, so many people in our society will say this, well, I'll get my life together before I come to Jesus. Well, I'll fix some things, and I know it's rough right now, but let me juggle a few things, and and I'll put one foot in, and, and the Lord's like, no, just with childlike faith, come to Jesus. Let him heal you, and we'll see what God will do. But that we have to have that childlike faith. We often harden our hearts. And this is what he talked about. And so today, the story continues. And he continues with someone called a rich young ruler. Now, Matthew's gospel doesn't call him that, but other gospels will tell us about him. Now, remember, we just left a discourse of a heart that was hardened. You guys remember that? We just, we talked about that. But today we get a glimpse of that as well, a hardened heart. Jesus uses this encounter with the wealthy young man to teach his disciples about the dangers of wealth. And next week, listen, he's going to give us a glimpse into what awaits those who have left everything to follow him. Now, remember, our series is Follow Me. And Pete is going to say, Lord, we left everything to follow you. And we'll talk all about that, so you have to come back next week. But today, let's see what he deals with with this young man. Look at his heart. Would you do me a favor in just a moment in the quietness of your heart? Ask the Lord to read your heart. Lord, I'm about to read your scriptures. Would you read me? Where am I in this? 
Verse 16, Matthew chapter 19, notice he says, Now behold, one came to him and said, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? That's the very first thing he tells us, okay? Now, very quickly, before we jump into the center of our study, let's chat about this young man. Here is a young man coming to Jesus. Now, in the Gospel of Luke, we see that it says this. Luke 18 and 18 says, Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Okay, so let's talk about this guy. Let's, talk, let's not miss who he is. We know that he's young. He's young, and Matthew, or Mark says he's a ruler. We know that in Mark's gospel, he's rich, so he's known as the rich, young ruler. How young is he? I don't know, but he's a youngster. He's a, he's a youngin. And again, most scholars, if you want to know and you want to dig deep a little bit, most scholars believe that he was actually the son of a Pharisee. The son of a Pharisee, the Pharisees, remember, were very rich, and he would have been raised with money and power, okay? He would have seen all of this. He was raised with money and power on his way to becoming a ruler. He would have memorized and kept the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. He would have memorized that. Which would explain to us, with great pride, he could tell the Son of God that he's kept the law from his youth. Well, of course I have. I've been raised in a religious home, church. I've been raised. I've heard more sermons than you can imagine. All of this stuff. Now, think about this. We know he's the young ruler, but but the case presents some remarkable points. How so? Well, think about this. Jot this down if you can write pretty fast. This young man was irreproachable moral character. That's who he was. You understand that, okay? This guy was goody, 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 moral, goody, two-shoes. Now, think about you as a teenager, okay? I'm not sure all of you in here probably were just perfect teenagers. You never gave your parents any trouble. I don't know why Rosa looked at Jim. I don't know. I wasn't. And I don't think, I, I mean, can you imagine? You wouldn't hang out with this dude. Why? Hey, 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 bro, listen, there's some, there's some girls. Let's go talk to them. Oh, no, we don't talk to young ladies. He would be, he would be the bummer dude. You know what I'm talking about. This is, he's, he's, it's irreproachable. He would be the guy that's like, oh, no. It's whatever his name is. We, I got an idea. Mom just made some wonderful um, peanut butter cookies. Let's go get some. Well, she said we couldn't. That was just her way of saying she loves us. Let's go get, and, and we've done some things, haven't we? Some of you in here, there's no way you would hang out with this irreproachable. It, he has good moral character. You're jumping out your window and sneaking out of the house, and he, no. So you understand, when it comes to being good, this dude, he's on the varsity. You and I, we're on the C team, never going to see a game. 
Come on. And if you're honest, <laughs> if you're honest, some of you aren't even on the C team. You're like, I'm not even on the team. Are you kidding me? They kicked me out for being bad. <laughs> but how good do I have to be to go to heaven? The second thing we notice about this uh, case is that his heart, like ours, was restless. It was restless. His heart actually craved eternal life. Now, notice verse 16 again. He comes running to Jesus. He bows down, and he's going to ask three questions. We're going to see those throughout our study. But I want you to notice some operative words here. In verse 16, the very first thing he says, notice what he says again. He says, now behold, one came to him and said, good teacher, what good thing shall I do? Do you guys see that? And, he, and so the words are good, good, and do. Good, good, and do. Why? In this man's heart, he believed that doing equal eternal life. Doing equals eternal life. Now, your attention, please. Here's the problem. The problem is, is somehow it's called behavior modification. Do you know what behavior modification is? You go, hey, you're supposed to be a Christian. You prayed a prayer, so now act like it. Oh, I have to act like it. And we turn to, we sort of modify our behavior to look like a Christian. We modify it. Oh, praise God. I mean, I learned all those words. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How you doing? God bless you. This guy probably, again, thinking about this, he had modified his behavior throughout his whole life, but his heart was restless. This is how you know, listen to me, you're not saved. Wait, pastor, you can't say that. Stop it. This is church. No, no, no. Listen to me. Listen, listen. This is how we know. Because you're doing, but there's some restlessness in your heart. There's still some, in, there's some angst in there. There's some like, oh. And here's the question. Am I doing enough? Am I doing? Like, where's the line? Because if you're like this young ruler, listen to me, you feel like you need to continually do so that God says, okay, welcome, come into, come into, have eternal life, have eternal life. He keeps asking the Lord, what shall I do? Later he's going to see, what do I lack? What do I lack? Why? Why is he restless? Let me say this to you. Ecclesiastes, Solomon writes in chapter 3, verse 11, listen to this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Notice what he says. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except no one can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. Here's what I love. I'd like to take the middle part of that verse and say, when you're born, he puts eternity in your heart. This is why you're saved. This is why you're saved today, because that was a nagging thing all of your life, even growing up, even being religious, that was a nagging thing, and you knew, and when you found out it was Jesus, ah, it was amazing. The problem is, here's the problem, you ready? The problem is, is that there's some beautiful, wonderful people out in my city, and they might even be here today, that... God has put eternity in their hearts and they're trying to fulfill it in different ways. 
Oh, I've got this angst. I've got this. Oh, man, what, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? See, we're born with a longing to be with God. And even when you get saved, you still, that, that doesn't go away. You know you're saved, but you still have a longing to be with God. This is why many of you say, I'm ready to go home. And people look at you going, well, go home. Your house is right there. No, I don't mean here. I mean, I'm ready to go home. Because I have a longing to be the God who created me. And then I got to thinking about this rich young ruler. And I started to think, um, I wonder what people try to do to in, in, inherit eternal life. What do they do? Well, the first thing I came up with is a lot of people, they, they, they think this. They say, well, they get baptized in hopes to be saved. I've had a lot of people during baptism go, oh, oh, d- dunk me, pastor, dunk me, pastor, and, and, and I'm going to be saved when I come out. No, 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 no. But that's how they feel. This is what I need to do. I need to be publicly dunked to be saved. Can I get an amen? You guys know people like that. How about this? Number two, we'll share about Jesus in hoping to win points with him. Well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to tell all my family and friends about Jesus. And then I'll look at God going, is that enough to get to heaven? Am I preaching to anybody? You know what I'm talking about, right? This is what we do. Or I've seen people do this. You ready? They'll purpose to keep or try to keep the Ten Commandments. They won't, they won't steal. They won't lie. They'll do their very best. And they can stand before God going, I've kept the Ten Commandments. I've honored my father and mother. Or let me, let me say this. Here's another one. I've seen people sign up for anything related to the church to prove our love to him. You go, what do you mean? They may not be saved, but anything that somebody's doing, hey, we got to clean, I'll do it. Oh, we're going to Mexico, I'll go. Oh, we're doing it. And they run themselves ragged. Guys, I knew somebody who signed up for every single thing the church was doing, not our church, but another church, and it just ran himself ragged. But in the meantime, while he's busy serving the church, he's losing relationships. He's not honoring other commitments. And so, okay, but God's got God's to like me on this one, right? God's got to like me because I'm, I'm serving. Pastor Ben said, does anybody, I'll do it. You didn't even know what I said. I don't care. I just want to be saved. I just need to know. Well, how about this one, guys? We will give money to the church or charity. You see, because if I can give more money, then God goes, hey, well, listen, you gave money, you're in. As a matter of fact, you have a little suite off in the corner there in heaven. You gave enough money. Or, last but not least, and these are just a few that I found, we'll serve our community, we'll serve our church, or we'll serve any other organization. Because we feel like works will do it. So we'll go out and we'll do things and meals for wheels, or we'll do this, or we'll do that, or we'll... We'll do that, and we'll just hope that God really gives us the thumbs up. Here's the truth. All of these things are good things. Come on, somebody. All of these things are good things, but in and of themselves, they won't get us to heaven. In and of themselves. 
They won't get him, get us to heaven. In a, about a month and a half, we're going to have a baptism. And I had two little ones ask me about baptism. And I showed them this. And I'll say it. Baptism is a good thing. I'll just use that as an example. I said, see this ring right here? Everybody see this ring? I said, what does this mean? Says, they said, you're married. And I said, who am I married to? And they said, Miss Nathalie. And I said, you're exactly right. So then I took off my ring. I said, look. And I said, watch this. And I put my ring in my pocket. And I said, look at this. Am I still married? And one of them said, no. The other one said, yes. I was like, really? No. And I said, uh, okay, so, so am I still? Of course you're still married. But yes. Why? Why am I married? Well, because you married her in your heart. And I said, so then what is this? This is an outward sign of an inward change. That's all it is. It's letting the world know that I'm taken. I'm off the market. I belong to somebody else. That's all it is. That's all it is. That's what baptism is. So it's a good thing, but it doesn't save you. But people will do this. So what's the first question this young man asks? He says, what good thing must I do? Let's look at it again. Now, behold, one came to Jesus and said, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said to them, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Don't you just love the Lord? Oh, my goodness. When you study this, this is amazing. Because the first thing the Lord says is, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? Now, that's very, very important. Why? Remember back in this day, okay, the word good is different than our day. Okay? If I were to say Craig is a good man, he thumbs up, it just means that he does good things. You know, he blesses people and he speaks nicely. He's a good man. But back in this day, you would never use that in that context. Because in Jesus' day, the word good was always equated to God. Only God was good. So I never said Craig is good or Joe is good or, or Mike is good. We would never say that because then I would say that they are, yeah, So good equals God, and I love the way, the way Jesus responds. Why? Because he says, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? And he's emphasized basically his own deity. In other words, he's telling the rich young man, either I'm God, you guys with me? Or I'm good. Which one is it? Why do you call? And again, that's the question. That's the question. Here's why. In our society today, in our world today, many people think Jesus was a good man, a good teacher. Because we've taken the word good and we've twisted it and we've moved it around and we've, we've done something. But, but what he's saying is, he's saying, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? Either I'm good or I'm God. Many people will come to us in this day and age and they'll say this. You ready, church? They'll say, well, Jesus never claimed to be God in the Bible. Yes, he did, just now. And many, many, many other places because he would have said, oh, no, 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 no. Don't call me good. 
That's God. He goes, what do you, he, he would have said, no, 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 let me stop that. But he says, no, 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 here I am. He wanted the young man to realize he was dealing with God and not a mere human teacher of the law. Notice your Bibles, guys. The word one is actually in, there's a capitalization, which means God. There is no one, there is no one good but one, God. God is good. God is good. And so all of a sudden, here's the beginning of the dialogue. You ready? He says, but if you want to enter into life, and he's talking about eternal life, he says this, you ready? Keep the commandments. Okay, I want you all to say that with me. Keep the commandments. That's what Jesus is saying. Easy peasy, George and Wheezy, right here. Just keep the commandments. That's all I got to do. That's all I got to do. Now, now, now notice, there's something still stirring. Look at verse 18. He said to him, which ones? Which ones? Oh, oh, we're in a dialogue here. Okay, I'm talking to the Lord. Great, okay. And Jesus goes, okay, you want to know which ones? You ready? Read them with me, guys. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Do you guys see that? Now, I want you to see this. I love, I love the Holy Spirit in the way, the way it's presented. I love it. And you go, why? Because if we were just to read this, here's the dialogue. Here comes the guy, Lord, what do I need to do to inherit? And he goes, well, why do you call me good? There's only one but God. Okay, but here's what you need to do. And he gives them the commandment. Which ones? And here's the commandment. And we just read it, but, but, but let's, let's turn it up on his head. Because the second question he asks is, which commandments? Christ told him to keep the law, not because the law saves, you guys with me, but because we must be convicted by the law before we feel the need to be saved by grace. In Galatians, Paul demonstrates that this is the pedagogos, the school bus that brings us to Christ. That's the law. That's the law. But yet the man asks, which commandments? Which one should I do? Why would he ask that? I'm not sure, but that's a very interesting point. But I notice the order in which Jesus responds to this man. What? What an amazing heart. He says this, you shall not murder. Don't commit adultery. Okay. You shall not steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father. And, and he gives them these ones. All the while, the rich young ruler is going, check, check. I mean, I mean, think about it. Okay, not a problem. Not, not a problem. Now, here's the point I want to make. If you have a pencil handy and you're not afraid to write in your Bible, Jesus gives him four of the original ten and sums up all the law basically with love your neighbor as yourself. But what we need to understand is there are two tables to the law. You go, what's that? Well, the first table they'll say, is the first four commandments are in relation to God. Okay? The very first commandment is this. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay, so you raise your hand at this point and go, why didn't Jesus say that? Well, here it is. The second table, the last six, are in relation to man. Your relationship to man. So first four, your relationship to God. Jesus didn't mention any of those. The other ones are your relationship to man. Why did Jesus mention those? Wow, you're going, yeah, why, why did this? 
If you were to do an internet search and broke down, it would do this. Commandments 1 to 4 teaches us to love God. Commandments 5 to 10 teaches us our love for others. Okay, first four. Other ones, love for people, right? Where are we at Calvary? You ready? Our first, our first is what? Love God. What's the second one? Love people. And then our third we made up, live radically. Go out and live radically for him. For him. Which one did Jesus give to the man? To keep. He gave, wait, wait, he gave, him, he gave him the second part. He, he gave him love for others. Oh, but it gets better. You guys know those, the, that commercial, the Ginsu knives, right? Oh, but wait, there's more. We're going to offer free shipping on this. Hold on, hold on. Look at verse 20. The young man said, here we go. All these I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? He could have, there, should, there could have been a period. All of these I've kept. I've done them all. As a matter of fact, Jesus, my mom and dad are living with me now. I can't get them out of my house. But you said to honor them, so I'm going to honor them. But he says an interesting question because his heart is still restless. What is it? He says, what do I still, there's something missing. There's something missing. Guys, this gives us great insight into the man's heart. Because he said all, notice the word all, all these things, all these commandments I have obeyed since I was a young child. Okay? Remember, when it comes to doing and obeying, he's varsity He's varsity. I can't, I, can't keep, I can't keep up with him. But then he says something that you and I have asked at one point. What do I still lack? What, what, what do I still lack? Very quickly, listen. This man had not any peace or fulfillment by keeping the law. You understand that? Why? He just told us that he's kept the law. And he's going, I, I just don't have any peace. I'm not fulfilled. Why? Because he wasn't complete. He knew deep down in his heart, you ready? That wasn't good enough. It's not good enough. And that's why he asked the Lord, what am I missing? What am I missing? So church, let me ask you a question. What is the answer to that question? What are we missing? Well, the answer is we need to love God first. We need to love God first. Obedience, obedience stems from a wonderful love for God, for the God who created you. Okay, here's where it's going to get, here's where it's going to get uh, a little bit tricky. Sometimes when we modify our behavior to look and act like a Christian because we're supposed to, our obedience comes from behavior modification, not out of a love relationship for God. And this is why we're constantly asking, what am I still lacking? What am I still missing? Why don't I have the peace that you have? Why don't I have, uh, you have joy. I don't understand it. What am I still? And we have to be so careful. Because you're, ba- listen to me, you ready? Your behavior will become modified, but not because you do it, but because you love God. You guys with me? Okay, so so your behavior is still going to change, but it's going to change out of a love relationship 
not out of a, well, this is what I have to do. What I have to do. God gives us a beautiful example in marriage, does he not? We, men, we love and serve our wives. I heard two people. Two people. Men, we love and serve our wives. Out of a love relationship with them. (laughs) Out of a love relationship with them, right? Not because we have to. Can you imagine? Well, I've been married 45 years. Guess I have to. What do you want to eat? It's not that. You love them and you serve them because you love them, guys. It's out of love. At least it should be. At least it should be. It's the same with the Lord, guys. Listen, if we can love the Lord God with everything we are, being obedient is easy. It was St. Augustine who said this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and then do whatever you want. That was the second commandment. Do whatever you want. Why? Because he knew that if you loved God, you weren't going to go to the bars and you weren't going to party and you weren't going to look for love in all the wrong places and you weren't going to be with somebody you shouldn't. And you weren't going to, he said, man, if you love the Lord, just do what you want because he knows that that love relationship is going to bring you in and keep you tight and give you the peace and the joy you're looking for. That's what he knew. That's what he knew. Oftentimes we say, hey, you need to get saved. You need to get saved. And then and once you get saved, and we go, oh, I need to clean myself up. And you know what? Here's the thing. You need to love Jesus, let him save you, and then watch him change you. Watch him change you. That's what we're looking for. Now, here's the heart and heart. Notice verse 21. Jesus said to him, hey, if you want to be perfect... Because he said, I've kept them all. Hey, if you want to be perfect, that word perfect, guys, is, is uh, describes being mature and complete. So it doesn't mean we're perfect. If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasures in heaven. And come follow me. You want to do something? But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. What's Jesus seeing here, guys? He's seeing the hardness of the heart. How so? Jesus sees the young man's attachment to his possession as a hindrance to come to faith. You guys tracking with me? He looks at him, he goes, oh. What must I do? What must I do? Tell me what I need to do. What do I need to do? Okay, well, keep the go. I've kept them all, Lord. I'm good. I've, I'm a son of a Pharisee, and you don't understand. This is all good. I've, I know all the Bible. I've memorized the Bible. I'm good to go. He goes, okay, listen, you need to love God. Well, how do I love God? Go sell what you have. Give to the poor. Come follow me. Oh. Why do I have to give to the poor? Why do I have to sell my stuff? Why do I have to sell my stuff? Here's the application for us. You ready, church? As the scripture begins to read us, we need to ask, what's hindering us from coming to faith? What's hindering? For him, it was wealth. Now, let me, let, let's, let's, let's sober the text a little bit. You ready? Feel the weight of it. He went away unsaved. I pray 
like you would pray, that somebody was praying, but that he got saved somewhere. But if we were to stop right here, which we're going to in a minute, the young man wasn't saved. He never came to faith. And if the Lord Jesus were to come for us today, and we all went to heaven, and you just happen to remember the sermon, you might be going, hey, is the rich young ruler here? And the Lord would say, no, he never came to faith. The very wealth that I blessed him with was the very hindrance of him coming. Well, for us, for us, it may not be wealth. You might be here and you go, Ben, I don't have any money. As a matter of fact, I'm minus six million. Are you kidding me? That's not a problem. But could it be alcohol? Could it be drugs? Could it be relationships? Could it be what's hindering us from from fully coming to Jesus? And if Jesus looked at you and said, hey, I want you to stop doing that. I want you to do this and then come and follow me. Would you do it? Would you do it? Now, the Lord is not into in looking at us and going, hey, I want you to sell your house, give the money to the church, and come follow me. The Lord does, he, he, he doesn't do that. But what he does is he searches our heart because sometimes we've hardened our heart in our possessions or in our relationships or whatever it might be. And, he, and, and, and so he wants to get past that barrier so that we can have a real and honest relationship. And that's the key, a real and honest relationship with God. That's when healing can take place, when we have a real and honest relationship with God. So as we close, and now don't close your Bibles. Everybody, pastor has three or four closings, trust me. But, I, but the lesson, I want to close with the lesson that Jesus wants to teach us. You ready? Look at verse 23. Then Jesus turns to us. Everybody say us. He says, Assuredly, I say to you that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this has been for, uh, up for debate for years upon years. What does it mean a camel go through the eye of a needle? Does it mean it's like a needle that we sew, and of course a camel's not going to fit through there because you could barely put a thread? How many of you have a hard time putting thread in the needle? You're like this. I know, I do the same thing. Some people say it, there in Jerusalem there's a gate. It was called the camel. It was called the eye of the needle, and it was small. And the camel had to literally, you couldn't go through. The camel would have to scrape his knees to get through. And he said it's, it's, it's easier for that to happen than for a rich man. But we know this. He says, I say to you, it's hard for a rich man. Now, before every one of us in this room goes, <laughs> okay, I'm not rich. I'm not rich. This doesn't apply to me. No, no, no. Listen to me. By world standard, every one of us in this room is rich. If you have food in your refrigerator, if you've eaten today, if you've taken a shower, I hope you've taken a shower. If you've if you had gas to come we're rich. By by the world standard, you understand, every one of us in this room is rich. And it's hard to come because we allow these things to hinder us from coming to faith. 
And we, just like the disciples, look at verse 25. He said, when his, disip- his disciples heard it, they were astonished, saying, well, then who can be saved? Wouldn't that be our question? Well, not who can be saved? <laughs> and I love that Jesus goes, well, not you guys. But he says, and Jesus looked at them and said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. The young man didn't ask a question. He went away sorrowful. You guys tracking with me? But the disciple says, who can be saved? And they were, they were amazed. Why? Why were they amazed? Why would they ask that question? Here's why. Context and culture. They believed under the Old Testament Jewish idea that riches meant God's blessing on your life. So they looked at that and they said, well, I thought he was being blessed by God. Who can be saved? I mean, we're not there. As a matter of fact, next week, Peter's going to go, Lord, we left everything. We had a lucrative fishing business. We weren't rich, but we were were able to eat, and we left that to follow you. I mean, so so it's a real concern, but I love the way the Lord answers this. He says, Jesus says, with men, it's impossible. Everybody say that with me. With men, it's impossible. We can't earn salvation. We can't, we can't do our way to heaven. It's impossible for us to save ourselves. It's impossible. That's what Jesus just said. But then he goes on and he says, okay, it's impossible. No matter how good you think you are, you cannot save yourself. But he says, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. As we get ready to partake in communion, as a family, I will now invite the ushers to come up, and then um, they're going to pray, and um, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. As the ushers come up and they pass out the elements, would you hold on to them? Because we're going to partake as a family. Okay? You go, Ben, what should I do? Well, hold the elements in your hands. This is a very serious and as well as a celebration. But let me say this to you, okay? If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you've never given your life to God, you maybe modified your behavior, whatever it must be, guys, I'm going to give you in just a moment an opportunity to surrender your life to Him. If you've done that, it might be an opportunity for you to rededicate your life to him. Maybe you said a, pray- Maybe you said a prayer, and uh, today's the day that you need to come back to Jesus. At Calvary Chapel Church, listen, we have open communion. You go, what does that mean? That means that if you are born again, follower of God, you can take communion. But Jesus told us, don't eat this in an unworthy manner. So I want to give you an opportunity today, before, you, before we move on, to surrender your life to Jesus. So you go, well, how so? How do I do that? Well, again, remember, we've been talking about modifying our behavior, but we don't have a relationship with God. How good enough do you need to be? I'm not good enough. I need Jesus. And that's what you do. You go, well, what's going to happen? In a moment, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and lift up your hand. You go, Pastor, pray for me. I want to, I want to give my life to God. When you give your life to God by faith and you pray a prayer by faith, then you're free to take the communion. You're free to take the communion. 
but we always want to deal with that first. Well, the Lord says, don't take it in an unworthy manner either. In other words, you might be here today and you go, man, I just came in and I've got dirt all over my shoes, if you will, and I'm just not having a good, I'm not having a good month, man. It's May 1st. I know I'm still not having a good month. Well, then don't take it. Just pass it along. It's okay. You may need to do work with God first. It's okay. So I'm going to ask you in just a second, before they pass out the elements, I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads with me real quick. And I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to God. This is the most important part of the service. The teaching is wonderful. We get to learn and grow in him. But maybe today, you're not right with God. And you got invited to church, and you're here, and you're, you heard some stuff, and some things are going on, and you actually realize you're not right with God. I'm going to give you an opportunity to join the family of God. You go, what do I have to do? Listen, it's not about joining the church, okay? It's about being right with God that created you. You go, what do I need to do? In a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift up your hand and say, pray for me. And, when, and, and, and I'm going to pray for you. You lift it nice and high so I can see it. If you've, done, if you've done that already, then you're saved, okay. But I want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, that, that was speaking to me. I need to be right with him. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. So very quickly, before we jump into a family communion, if you're here today and you've never given your life or you've walked away from God or you're ready to rededicate your life to him this morning, you're ready to become a disciple, a follower of Jesus, and the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit has been touching your life this morning, and you're not right with him, you know it, because you have the same questions the rich young ruler had. What do I still lack? What am I lo- Why am I restless? Why is my heart this way? Would you do me a favor right now with every eye closed and every head bowed? Would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I want to be saved. I lift up my hand right now in obedience to him. Would you do that right now? And I'll pray for you. Lift up your hand. Lift up your hand if you want to be saved. God bless you, sir. I see you in the corner. Lift up your hand. God bless you. God bless you in the back. I see all three of you back there. Anyone else? Anyone else? Lift up your hand. God is moving mightily. Don't, don't, listen, don't harden your heart. Say yes. All you have to do is lift up your hand. Say yes, I'm going to be a follower of him. I'm going to give my life to him. Anyone else? Maybe you've run from God a little bit and you're ready to dedicate your life to him. Would you lift up your hand? You're saying, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Those of you who lifted their hand, would you pray this prayer out loud with me? It goes something like this. Words alone aren't sufficient to save, so it's, it's in your heart. Would you pray, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for my sin. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I need you. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me, and that you were buried, and three days later you rose again and are sitting at the right hand of God even now, interceding and praying for me. I believe that I'm, I'm not a mistake and that you love me very much and that you want me in heaven. Lord, I've tried all the things my way. I've tried doing things my way. I've tried living, things, li- living my way. But today, on May the 1st, 2022, I surrender my life to you. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart 
and be my Lord, be my God, be my Savior, and be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. I need your help, Lord. I can't do it on my own. Trust me, I keep going back to the world. I keep going back to those things that are keeping me from you. I need your help. Put Christians in my life to help me grow in you. And I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen? Hey, if you did that, welcome to the family of God. If this was your first time and you need a Bible and a Bible study guide or whatever you need, I'm going to go ahead and ask the ushers to go ahead and pass the elements out so we can do communion. But if you need a Bible and a Bible study guide, we've got you covered. Please don't leave when service is over. If you raised your head, even if you didn't, but you want to be saved, we got you. As the as the ushers are passing out the elements, would you would you just sing the song in worship, and then we'll take it together. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.